0: Troubled him, and which were the means of means in which Joseph was brought to be exalted, as it were, and to now stand before the king. And that's where we left, or we left off last time. And for today's study, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through to God willing, the end of the chapter. In verses excuse me, 15 through to 32, we see Joseph's interpretation. Of Pharaoh's dreams. And we plainly, where he plainly acknowledges in verse 16 that the interpretation is not in me. What a a thing to say. The interpretation is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Verse 16 Joseph's honesty here and deep humility in the face of promotion or possibly demotion, it's astounding, isn't it? He's waited for such a long time, and um, he's been in this, this uh, prison, and he's gone through all these trials, and yet, he's willing to say, "It's nothing special about me, really. Nothing, nothing in me. It's all about God. It's all about the Lord. And what a, what a witness and testimony this is to us. This is what we're supposed to be. There's nothing about me.
1: All about the Lord, it's all about what He's done in my heart. He wasn't up He wasn't trying to be promoted, didn't want to be
0: demoted, He just wanted to honour the Lord. And and so this spiritual character building has been years, years in the making, where God has so moulded Joseph and so shaped him and cut him through all these providences, as it were, like a diamond that as we thought about on the on the Lord's Day, and so he fitted him through all these afflictions with a spiritual character that would hold him in good stead to become the prime minister, the ruler of the greatest superpower of the world at the time, Egypt. And we, we, we all know, don't we, what happened next? Joseph gives the interpretation of the dreams. He explains that in fact, those two dreams that Pharaoh had, they were one dream. And God would show Pharaoh what was about to happen, what he was about to do in the land of Egypt. There would be seven years of plenty and there would be seven years of famine. And he describes how the, the cows and the, the, the well-nourished cows and the fat corn, as it were, they were the seven years of plenty. There was was one dream. And he explained how the thin corn and the ill-nourished uh, cows, or well, they were the they were the uh, seven years of famine, and how the seven years of famine would literally eat up the seven years of plenty, and it would pursue, it would become the land would become sawdust, and all the plenty plentiful uh, land before that, all the plentiful in the land, all that would be completely forgotten again uh, 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 about it would become a dire situation. Now when Joseph really finished interpreting what God would have Pharaoh to know, he does what every good steward of God's grace and favour ought to do. He shows Pharaoh what he must do. And this is a a very important principle here for us Christians. He says this is what, what God has said And this do. Very, very simple important principle we would do well to hold on to. This is what God has said, and we do that as Christians. This is what Christ has said. This is what the the Gospel says, as it it were. And this do. Turn from your sin and repent. And trust and believe in Christ as your Saviour. Believe in the bread of life, as as, as it were. So that's a very important principle. Now Joseph informed Pharaoh to the type of policy which Pharaoh should implement to save many souls alive. And friends, does not the Lord as well not tell us likewise concerning the Gospel? What's really going to save many souls alive? Uh, So Pharaoh, uh, by, of course, the but Joseph, by the Spirit, tells Pharaoh um, what he needs to do and uh, to save many souls alive. And that's the only thing. That's the only really thing which is going to save souls in our day. It's not going to be a new government. That's what the Jews were expecting, a political leader that's going to come and conquer all the, the Romans, kick the Romans out, the Roman Empire out. It's not a new government. It's not whether you're on the left or the right. It's not... Uh, it's not either a brand new NHS, it's, it's none of these things. What is going to save people's souls is the gospel. And uh, this really should be our main our main concentration in life, is living for the Lord day by day, seeking to honour him through the gospel, living it. We see here this urgency that Joseph undertook, this time of being busy and the season here. There's a great urgency in this, and I believe this is what we're called to do every day, to live the gospel. And Joseph said, doesn't he, Joseph says in verses 33 to 34, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out out a man, discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Joseph, by the way, is not saying look at me. <laughs> He's not saying that. Joseph does not say, look at me. He, he just gives the qualifications, doesn't he? Because he knows, he knows what this work is going to entail. This is not a work that is suited for someone who is a hothead, or someone who is froward. This, this work requires someone who has a, a much patience, and who is incredibly diligence, and someone who's been molded by the Lord, really, to be able to take, undergo this monumental building project. It was massive. It was something which the, this, that world at the time had never seen a building project on this scale. So it needed someone who was going to put their heart, heart and soul and blood and sweat into it, literally, and, and someone who had the patience and the resolve to do it right. And so he wasn't pointing to himself. He just gave the qualifications that was required. And then verse 34, it says, Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. So Joseph shows here an, an incredible amount of practical wisdom, leadership here, and executive authority, yeah, he's not scared to speak on behalf of what the Lord wants to be done. And he's doing so by faith. By faith and trusting in God's word. And so he's, he's of course, applying 20% tax during these great seven years of fruitfulness and abundance, which the Lord God is going to bring, that uh, they were to collect... These offices and these granaries that were to be set up, this great project work in all these cities, these storage, they all had to be built, all these things had to be done, that this was all to be uh, put in, as it were, uh, to these cities. And it was urgent. It was it had to be done in haste. Verse 35 says, And let them gather all the food in those good years that come. And lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. See how he always is on, he's always honoring the king here. Uh, and let them keep food in the cities. Verse 36, and that food shall be for store to the land. It won't be eaten. It will be for store to the land against the seven years of famine. And shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. So, dear brethren, there is a spiritual lesson, of course, uh, to be had here for the Christian. During the good and fruitful seasons in our lives, the sunny seasons, the the fertile seasons, the fruitful seasons, a believer is to build up spiritual wisdom in Christ and seek to dedicate himself or herself as much as possible to the Lord in everything that they are to do. Because there will be times of famine. There will be spiritual times of famine. And if you have not built up in the the sunny years, the fruitful years, that's why God gives them to the believer. If you don't build that up, you're going to be be found wanting in those those years of famine. And so I want to speak to our young people in particular about this tonight. Get wisdom while you're young. Cleave to the Lord when you're when when you're Be a Samuel, as we hear God's voice early. Build up wisdom. Dedicate yourself to God's fear and His and His honor, and you won't you, you won't be want be found wanting. Whatever this world, like Pharaoh, like Joseph, has to throw at you, you'll have that spiritual character and grace where. Whatever you go through, because you've got that, you'll you'll be able to endure these things and you'll still depend upon the Lord and you won't go back into the world, as it were. But we see the urgency Joseph showed and the executive authority in which he relayed the policy, this great policy to Pharaoh. It reveals to us the absolute faith and confidence Joseph had in the Word of God concerning the seven years of plenty and the seven years of, of course, of famine. He moved with fear, didn't he, like Noah. Noah moved with fear to the building of the ark. He knew that these things were going to come to pass, and so he moved with fear with these things. It also reveals to us the practical wisdom and the diligence which the Lord endowed him with in order to carry out this most monumental uh, building project, and it is no wonder, it is no wonder why Pharaoh completely was bowled over in verse 38. It's no wonder. He says to his servants, can we find can we find such a one such as this? In whom the Spirit of God is? I mean, who is this person? You know, he's come along out of prison and he's telling me to, he's, he's, he's revealed my dreams to me, now he's telling me to, you know, to this massive building project and You know, to store up all this food? I mean, who is this person? But he's saying, well, who can find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. And now, friends, not every Christian is a Joseph, are we? Joseph was exceptional. Joseph was a foreshadow of Christ. Joseph was was a type of
1: Christ. He pictured
0: Christ. And no doubt he, out of all the patriarchs, He is in no doubt most Christ-like. But every Christian, friends, all of us, here, dear friends, if you're truly Christ, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you richly. We have the Spirit of God. And when you have the Spirit of God, you can never lose the Spirit of God. It's the same Spirit of God that Joseph had. That's in us. And it gives us unction to speak and act upon God's words by faith. And that's how we are to live our lives. So there's there's nothing different. We must be those who accommodate the Spirit. The Spirit is holy. The Spirit wants us to live for the Lord and honour the Lord. The Spirit Spirit is a new holy residence within us. And we must cultivate that which, which the Spirit wants and not grieve the Spirit. And so we can learn so many things from these things, can't we? Now friends, then and there was Joseph raised up to be the prime minister, the ruler over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh just delegated everything into his hand. He just saw, like Potiphar, the captain of the guard, he just saw that this man was used of God, and that God's favour was upon him, and he was a revealer of secrets, of hidden things. He gave Pharaoh knowledge, and spiritual knowledge, as it were, And as with Potiphar, Pharaoh literally just delegated everything into into Joseph's hands. Verse 14 and 41. And as with Joseph's childhood dreams, those prophetic dreams when he was 17 years old, those deeply symbolic dreams, much authority was given upon uh, Joseph. Verses 42 through 44. Pharaoh's ring, that royal ring, of authority was given to to Joseph, signifying once again that distinguishing grace put upon Joseph as the family covenant head, as it were. Royal honour was given upon him. That authority was passed to him, as it were. And Joseph once again was arrayed with fine linen. Honour, distinguishing honour, was put upon him. Again, it's a symbol of God's distinguishing grace put upon Joseph, that golden chain. Joseph, again, was crowned with glory, wasn't he a prince? And again, he was a type here. He suffered like Christ, but yet he was crowned with glory and honour and majesty, wasn't he? He, he pictures so much of Christ in his sufferings and his humiliation and his exaltation. And Joseph, of course, was made to ride Pharaoh's second grand chariot, as it were, where he was exalted before all the people of Egypt as ruler and prime minister. What a contrast. What a contrast in how soon God can just move in our hearts and our lives. One day he's in prison in this hellish dungeon in Egypt, and the next day, or not much long after that, he's clean-shaven. As it were, arrayed in this situation and used by the Lord for great usefulness, let us be an encouragement to us, dear brethren, that God can very, very quickly change our circumstances. Let us never limit God, and perhaps, perhaps, a word of encouragement for for those in the fellowship that perhaps you've you've been undergoing deep and long trials. Perhaps it's been a year, perhaps it's been over a decade, like Joseph, deep trials, and you're he's, he's thinking, when Lord, when? And, dear friends, be, take courage in the word of God, and, and in the testimonies written of, of, of old, David said, says, in regards to the testimonies of old, they're, they're my counsellors, they, these are my counsellors, they speak to me, they counsel me, to wait upon the Lord, to be of good cheer, Every day, just honor the Lord, keep close to him in your heart. And the Lord, if you're keeping close to him, you sincerely seek his honor, the Lord will you will have times of fruitfulness and blessing. We don't, you know, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. There's not many souls saved in this day, and he was earnest and he was contending, um, but there were souls saved. We've just got to. Be of good cheer. So, if you've gone through long periods of trial, don't give up because the Lord can very, very quickly change your circumstances very quickly. So, just a word of encouragement there. You know, there are so many aspects to Joseph's life that foreshadow Christ. It's just astonishing, isn't it? It's so astonishing. I mean, we thought about some in our early part of the series. But Joseph. Joseph was 30 years old when he started his public ministry, and so was Christ. Joseph, after his suffering and humiliation, was raised by God from the tomb of that Egyptian prison to be on the right hand of power. And so was was Christ, wasn't he? uh, Christ, after his humiliation, was raised from the tomb, wasn't he? From the dead, as it were. Uh, To the right hand of power. And Joseph was seen as a revealer of hidden things, of secrets, of the things of God. And so was Christ through the revelation of his word and ministry and parables. And Joseph warned of the coming danger and urges hearers to make needful provision, as it were. And so, too, did Christ warn his hearers to make provision for their souls for eternity. Joseph in his humility always sought to give credit to God, and Christ in his humanity always honoured God the Father and sought to honour his Father in everything. Joseph's exaltation was followed by a time of plentiful, wasn't it? And Christ's exaltation was followed by a time of spiritual plenty for the Gentiles as well. We see so many foreshadowed. And pictures here. Joseph alone was seen as the one to, to be giving corn and bread to a perishing world. And Jesus Christ, the Saviour, is the only one who can give the bread of life to a perishing world. He is the only one. Now, beloved, in verse 15, uh, sorry, 45, Pharaoh calls Joseph's name Zaphnath Panea. Which means in Hebrew, a revealer of hidden things, of secrets. God through Joseph was revealing hidden things. By nature we're switched off to the things of God. We, we, we do not want God. Joseph was revealing these things of God. It could also mean, in a sense, signifies God speaks and God lives. God speaks and he lives. That's the effect that Joseph had upon Pharaoh. God, the true God, the God of Israel. Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, the creator God. He lives and he speaks. And he's doing so through Joseph. And of course, the Lord does the same through all of his people. He gives We are all ambassadors for Christ. We're all called to speak and witness for him. The king also gave Joseph a wife, Asanaeth, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. And this completed, of course, Joseph's exaltation, didn't it? His exaltation in being acknowledged as a pure prince, in marrying into the priest's family, as it were. And no doubt to people, to point people to Jehovah, not to the sun gods and and these false gods, as it were, which was that priesthood, but he was to point to the true God, the Jehovah God. There's much more I can say about that, but I really don't have time this evening to go into much depth in that regard. Now friends, we are told twice that Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt, verse 45 and 46. Joseph was not one for complacency. Whatever he did, he did so heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men. It's a very important principle that we have to do everything heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. Our reward is with the Lord, and that's what we see with Joseph. This was urgent. He moved with fear. There was he trusted by faith that the Lord would bring this to pass. He always had trusted in the Lord. Solomon in his wisdom says, talks about the ant. Behold the ant. Said, well, look at the ant, though it be such a small creature, yet it carries so much more of its own weight, doesn't it? And look how it works together and how it's so busy and diligent. Look at the ant, thou sluggard, like says the Solomon. And that's what we are called to do. We are called to carry, as it words Christians, the, the weight more than most in our prayers in how we live our lives, we are to be Joseph's, as it were. To live for the Lord, to be diligent, heartily as unto the Lord. Now friends, this was a vast, and it was a gargantuan public building project in which the likes that world had never seen in days gone past. It was huge, and yet all of it was done by faith. It was all done by faith. Joseph had faith in these things. And it's the same with us, dear friends. There's much work to be done by faith in gospel work. We, we, we must always have mind to that. I really want to encourage him that this, this year. We can do great things. There are big things to do for the Lord. But we must be found faithful in the little things. We must be found faithful in the prison. We must be found faithful in the pits. We must be found faithful in the little things before the big things. And so, friends, let us take heart in this respect. The narrative from verse 47 and 49 really gives us a sense of the urgency and the busyness of that time for Joseph. It really does. Joseph gathered, gathered the corn as the sand of the sea, as the sand of the sea, uncountable, innumerable, as it were. And that was saying something, wasn't it? Because the Egyptians were excellent record takers. Even secular historians will tell you that the Egyptians were meticulous in their record taking. And so the very fact that Joseph gathered corn as a sandmother of, of of the sea, and towards the end of the narrative it talks about how there was it was about number. They stopped numbering. It was just vast, vast amount of food that was done. Egypt, of course, like I mentioned last time, was also the bread basket of the Mediterranean, and also much of Europe. But the food that Joseph gathered, gathered was, was ridiculously enormous. It was, and he just kept on going. He just kept on building food. And that we're told in verse 14 that they just left off numbering, for it was without number. And friends, under the hand of Joseph, the land of Egypt went through a period of great fruitfulness, a great blessing, a great fertility. And this was also true of Joseph's personal life as well. We're told in verses 50 through 52, Joseph had two children born unto him. Manasseh, which means he who causes me to forget. God made him, caused him to forget all his toil, all those afflictions, his father's house, as it were. It doesn't mean that he forgotten of his beloved father. He loved his father dearly, it caused him much pain being separated from his father. But that this child, Manasseh, which is a Hebrew name, it's not an Egyptian name, This child Manasseh caused him great joy in his life and in his heart. So many years of affliction, so many years of uh, people taking away from him and abusing his goodness. And yet the Lord blesses him with this this young boy Manasseh, and it caused Joseph so much joy. Such a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, When the Lord uh, just wonderfully blesses like that. NASA who causes me to forget you know some of the commentators have charged Joseph at this at this point and I think unjustly um, of not not going to see or, or trying to reach his father and I think that's I, I don't think I think that's fairly short-sighted because although he could have done that but I don't, I don't think we appreciate uh, that he was being spent here for the Lord, he had in mind the Lord's work in saving these souls alive. That was his. That was what he was commissioned to do. That's what he gave his heart heart to do. Of course, he loved his father and he wanted to be with his father. But I've read a lot of commentators said well, he should have he should have gone and saw that that was an error on his, on his mistake. And I don't agree with that. I think um, I think Joseph Joseph. Uh, Was doing the Lord's will. There was urgency here. All the lambs, all the people of the lambs would be coming into Egypt to find food. And that that was his priority. He was literally spent for that. And the Lord blessed him for that. The second son born unto unto Joseph was Ephraim, which means he who causes me to be fruitful uh, or fertile. Ephraim. And, of course, that happened in the land of affliction. So often, isn't it, the Lord can cause us to be fruitful in affliction. Often, I I can put my hand up and can say, as often as when I was in my direst points as a believer, the the, the darkest periods of my life, that suddenly the Lord has just taken hold and just opened up so many areas of blessing. And I, I know that's true. Of those here gathered here today as well. Um, He who causes me to be fruitful, to be fertile, Ephraim, and and that causes the land of affliction. And so we we see, dear friends, that, that Joseph had this great period of blessing. Now it must be said that Joseph, in his prosperity here, and in all this fruitfulness, and in the power, and that was given to him, did not for one minute loosen his confidence in the Lord at all. The very fact that he gave his children Hebrew names, Manasseh and Ephraim, really, in that Egyptian culture, in that setting, really speaks volumes. It represents that his absolute trust in the covenant-keeping God and who he had always been his trust. All throughout those years... Where we remember, he, as a young lad, no doubt, his his granddad Isaac would have inspired him. And his father Jacob would have spoken to him about, Because Isaac was still around in in Hebron. And that's very very evident when you look at the the years there. And he would have been converted in those, those young years. And so he still trusted very much in the covenant-keeping God. Jehovah, his trust was still in God. And he called his names, his children's names, Hebrew names. And, and of course, um, this would have taken great courage to do this in that culture um, where they were expected to have pagan names. And, you know, so the faith that Joseph had here really made a stand amidst a crooked and a perverse generation. He made a stand for the Lord. And that's what we're called to do, is to make a stand for the Lord. Now after these seven years of plenty passed, so came of course the seven years of famine as well, just as Joseph had had said what happened by faith. And like I said, even even secular historians Cannot deny this famine. There are there's there's much. We don't need these evidences, of course, because we believe by faith in all these things. But there are there are much records that there was a global famine back then, even by secular historians. Historians, and it occurred not only in Egypt, but it occurred across the world, the known world at the time. There. And so without Joseph's plan of life preservation from you know death would have happened on a a scale unimaginable, unimaginable death, millions would have perished. Uh, 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 And that would have pursued. And friends, without Christ's plan, Christ's plan of salvation through what he had done on the cross of Calvary, without God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit before the foundation of the world making that plan for to send the Son into the, to the world to reconcile us rebel sinners we who have corrupted ourselves and friends Christ was willing to undergo abuse suffering humiliation for us and been, he was raised from the dead Without Christ's plan, dear friends, millions will be perishing in their sins. How we love the Lord, don't we, for his salvation, that he should look look upon us with such love and free grace and mercy. Joseph is seen here as a temporary saviour of the world. But the greater Joseph, Christ, of course, is the eternal saviour of the soul. And that door is still open today for needy sinners. He still comes, says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and and he will give you rest rest for your soul. The door of salvation is still open, there's still room to come in and have bread. The The word of God here reiterates in verse 56 and 57 that the famine was incredibly sore over all the face of the world. It was sore, it reiterates it twice, it waxed sore, it was sore, that's how bad it got. And friends, there is a spiritual famine here, in our day, the the, the famine is waxing sore, in our land, people are perishing every day, thousands are perishing in their sins, there's a spiritual famine, and friends, people need spiritual food. People need our earnest prayers. People, We need to be those who continually have a heart for the Gospel. And have a heart for these things. We can't be complacent.
1: There's a famine
0: going on. People need food. We need to point people, and I I, I trust we all are, but let this encourage us to do so more. Point people to the Saviour. Point people to Christ. Show people how to do it. Invite people to church. Make every possible means to help people, to, to bring them under the word of God. Pharaoh says, go unto Joseph. Go unto Joseph. And we say, go unto Christ. Go to Christ, the greater Joseph. Go to him. All the people of the world were fed by Joseph. And dear friends, and Joseph drew, as it were, the whole world to himself didn't he at that time? Because of course what the Lord was doing and Christ of course will draw all people unto himself, all those, all the the nations and tribes of the world to himself. No one was turned away, dear friends. No one went hungry at all if they went to Egypt, to Joseph as it were. No one was turned away, no one went hungry, and that's true spiritually speaking, if you truly and genuinely forsake sin and you come to Christ, no one goes away hungry, no one's turned away. And you may say, well what about the doctrines of grace, what about predestination? Well those who truly seek shall find. You will always be saved if you seek to be saved in God's way, according to Christ and his gospel. The problem with much Christianity, and I know I harp on about this a lot, people don't want to be saved God's way. That's the problem. They want to be saved the world's way. One foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Go to Joseph. Go to Christ. You have to go to, and that takes effort. Strive to enter at the narrow gates. Yes, Christ saves by grace, but you've got to make every effort. You've got to go to Christ. You've got to leave it all behind and give up the gimmicks of this world. Go to Christ. Love Him. Seek Him until you know that you're in Him and you truly trust in Him and you love Him and you have a spirit and you have new desires and you have new principles and you feed off abundance all the days of your life. You've got to do that. You've all got to do that. No one Who earnestly sought Joseph, came away empty-handed. No one. Because of the abundance. He gathered uh, so much as a sand on the sea. They left off numbering. Innumerable. The same as with Christ. He just keeps on giving and giving. When we come to him, we've got it all. He gives grace upon grace upon mercy upon mercy. Friends, go to Christ. Joseph had enough provision for everyone, all the earth. Christ has enough provision, spiritual food, the bread of life for everyone. And with that bread of life, we will never hunger. We will never thirst when we drink of the well of Christ. Never. When we're in Christ, dear friends, uh, we will always be satisfied, as it were. And yes, we can have our moments where we can fall and fail, of course we can. But ultimately, we will always depend upon the abundance Christ. The narrative, of course, enclosure leaves us with an indelible impression that in Joseph's city there is life, there is hope, there is fulfillment in abundance for the hungry, for the famished. Are we hungry? Are we hungry for Christ? I mean, genuinely. Are we famished every day? I come to the bread of life. I want the bread of life. I must eat of Christ. I cannot... I, I'll die without Christ. Every day that's my attitude. That's, I want to live for Him. I love Him. I'm famished for Him. It's like Solomon. In Solomon's beautiful letters, where Christ comes to the door and the aroma's at the door, and the the one who's betrothed to him, she she smells. Uh, the fragrance at the door, the perfume of the Lord. He sets she senses the presence, and she, as it were, is neglectful, like we can be. And then uh, he's gone, and she goes looking out of the streets for her for for her beloved. And that's like us. We should be famished for the Lord and pour contempt upon the times which we can be so distracted by the just. The the things which are not going to mean anything here, we should just be. We should be so, uh, so, just so famished by the Lord, ravished by Him, every day, seeking that bread of life. Joseph pictures a deliverer here who points, course, us to the greater Joseph Christ. Joseph rules. Joseph is sovereign. Joseph is the only source. Of true bread. And all the people on the earth, of course, will live if they go to Joseph. It's the same spiritually speaking with Christ. Christ is the only one who is sovereign above all. Christ is the only one who can feed us with the bread of life. He is the only one, the only true source. There is none other name given among men which which we must be saved. Christ is the only one which we can enter in. And we must be in Him. We must seek Him with all that we have. Have we got the greater Joseph? Have we got Christ? Do we continue to live off His provision, His abundance, this everlasting abundance? The storehouses of God's salvation are open. And God's love, dear friends, He wants to feed us forever. will become. Will we come? Will we be stirred up here today to ever live and feed upon the land? Earthly plans will fail. Famines will come. But the plans of God's salvation, friends, through His Son, will never fail us. Just remember that. All earthly plans will pale into absolute, absolute insignificance. But the work, the, the plan of God's salvation through His Son, through the greater Joseph Christ, that's going to last. That's where we should be building up treasure, with haste and with urgency, every day, giving our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength, our vigor to. Christ said in, in finishing, in John six fifty one, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And, and the bread that I will give and give is my flesh, which I, I will give for the life of the world. Amen.